Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I got a Gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark. On today's podcast, we interviewed Megan Cush. She is a pioneer for medical cannabis, providing patients and people with intergalactic travel tools for the past 25 years. She is the founder, owner, and operator of the federally registered trademark Kush Creams, a cannabis topical brand, as well as her new passion project, Silavitabins, a psilocybin microdosing company that she is operating as an over-the-counter business. She has been teaching classes on microdosing, capsule making, and mushroom cultivation for the past year and a half to local veterans. She is also 16-time winner of the Cannabis Cup, and she is an overall rock star and just, you know, divine feminine, spiritual warrior goddess, and we really appreciated her being on the show and all the love she shared us. Uh, Stay tuned. In the future, I will report on the really awesome stuff she's going to send us, but either way, enjoy the show, folks. Megan Cush. Kick some ass. I hope you enjoy it. Sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC, and tell me what you think. Get in touch with us. Be on the show. We just had a call-in show. Tell us what you think. Maybe you can be the next person to call in. Tell us your conspiracy. Tell us your experience. Maybe you had a crazy mushroom trip. Maybe you smoke weed every day like me, and you're connecting with the higher realms. Give me a call. Get in touch. Sign up on the Patreon. Enjoy the show. I was slow to start back in 98, but by the time that we were signing in access points in 2010, and, you know, people were getting together for these farmer's markets, you know, I was lucky to be part, one of, I was lucky to be one of six vendors at the very first cannabis farmer's market there was anywhere in the country. I was just super cool to be there. We all had to plan what to do when the cops came, you know, and we were all old friends kind of, and, you know, we had it. We knew what to do and stuff like that. And every time it was so sketchy, but they became something that was accepted out here. And they were just, it was so neat to talk to your neighbor about how they were growing. And people bring their clones and they bring their strains and they, you know, and 
you could have, you know, four patients, seven patients, you know, 15 patients. There was different rules for different things, you know, and people were able to cultivate quality. Being able to bring the products like the topical to the mainstream market that I knew were going to help people and there's no psychoactive effects. Scientifically, you can give it to your kids, you can give it to your grandma. You're not going to get high on it. It's not going to transfer to a urinary analysis that's applied to the skin. You eat these tubs of cream, yeah, you can probably have something happen, but a double dog dare anybody to put that in their mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with me today. I'm so happy to have my co-host, Jay, my other co-host, Chris, who's got a really exciting story that we're going to get into in a Patreon episode tonight, but they're joining me, and today as a special, incredibly special guest. We're honored to have her. Her name is Megan Cush, recently changed that name to Cush. And it's appropriate because she is the owner of Cush Creams. And she's also the owner of a new company called Silo Vitamins, which is really, really exciting. Hopefully we'll get into some of that. But Megan, you've been a cannabis advocate for so long. The three of us all smoke herb. We all really enjoy it. It's, you know, speaking only for myself, it's a big part of my life and how I got to where I'm at. So it's an honor to have you on the show, Megan. It really is. You're somebody who's done so much for cannabis in this country. And yeah, we just really excited to get going here. So how are you today? First things first. I'm, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Yeah. Same it's here. It's been such good weather up in Connecticut lately. Right. And speaking of good weather, she's out there on the West Coast where the weather's great. Uh, I mean, maybe not so much in Washington State, though, right? It's like rain, sun, rain, sun today. I mean, it's been pouring at some points today. It's just typical Washingtonian weather here. Yeah. So have you always been into this? Like when was I mean, maybe this is like when was the first time you smoked pot? Were you were you back at like when you're a kid, you, you got into it? You're a lifelong hippie I knew it the first time i smoked it that i was like somehow this is for me you know and <laughs> never felt like that about alcohol or really anything else i first time i smoked weed was in sixth grade you right. know and it was just it's been a huge huge part of my life i'm so many people never thought i'd be so successful because i was such a diehard advocate for it at such a young age in the 90s when it was just not you know medical hadn't passed yet we hadn't worked for that you know, no recreational and you pretty much are just, you know, a stoner and labeled, but I just really, you know, stuck to the cannabis. And like I said, I've never been a drinker, never really been in anything else besides psychedelics. And I just really, you know, committed to it. And it's, it's actually paid off for me. And I see friends that maybe thought I wasn't going to live past 25 years old that are like, Oh my gosh, you own Kush creams. Like it's because it's such a popular product out here. It's in all the shops and stuff like that. And just, you know, it's just immensely successful. I can't believe how blessed I am to have thought of a product that helps so many people's lives every single day. You know, it's just amazing to hear the relief and we stand behind everything, money back guarantee. There's no gimmicks, no nothing. It's if it works for you, it works for you. You know, if not, feel free, just keep the tub and we'll send you your money back. And you know what? People don't ever bother us for that because it works. It's yeah. something that I might not offer if it didn't work, you know, but it's actually a product that people don't, you know, they don't ever try and send it back, never try to get a refund, but we just believe in it so much. And, my staff, I employ all moms and, you know, they love coming to work because every day 
it's just amazing stories in the email of somebody's life improving, their mobility improving, their, you know, their eczema improving, something simple, their migraines, you know, and with the new company is still a vitamins. And I feel like this is the next kind of wave of just helping people's lives improve. You know, a lot of Kush creams was for physical ailments and a lot of the vitamins are for the heart, the soul, and the mind, it feels like it's kind of helping making people whole, you know? Yeah. I love that. And I, I resonate with that journey that you've undergone so deeply because I've always felt like from the first time I really fell in love with cannabis, probably like the second or third time I smoked it. I always felt like I got to be a better representative of this because there's a stigma, you know, especially where we live, Connecticut, it's not legal still, you know, it's decriminalized, but not recreational. So it is a, a stigma thing. And I always felt like, wow, that's not my experience at all. I love this stuff. So I've always been very much uh, against the grain and not really giving a fuck if people didn't like that I smoked or pot or smelled like pot, you know? So kudos to you, Megan, because you're an example, you know, you're a role model to me. Cause I, I believe, you know, that's something I, I was thinking when I was a kid, like, I don't want to, there's no way this stuff's going to make me into a failure. And look at you. I mean, you've dedicated your life to this. And I, re- I guess the question I'm kind of beating around the bush to get to is like, when did that really, the mission come into mind? Like, when did you realize like, oh, this is something I need to put purpose behind? Like, it, when did it transition from just something you smoked to something you lived for? Oh, I'd say, I mean, it had to be way back in my teenage years, even. I, I started petitioning even for medical marijuana. I traveled down to Oregon and petitioned for that in 1998. I would have been 18 years old, you know, at that point. And I... I mean, we went through quite the trials and tribulations of that progressive campaigns, you know, and it was, you know, it was, it was a hard, actually, actually a pretty hard job to do that and go down there and get all the signatures. But guess what? We got on the ballot and it passed. And that feeling of empowerment of changing a law was like just, you know, that, that push I needed and like, oh my gosh, now there's access in Oregon. There's, you know, caregivers there's patients and then when it you know we even got burned for like our last two weeks of pay on that aggressive campaigns and it's just so funny because i still see people in the industry that actually campaign too and we all talk and talk about how they burned us but because it worked when it came up to washington i was ready to do it again i didn't care you know i was like let's just get this on our ballot and that feeling of empowerment of like changing laws at such a young age definitely made me feel like there was so much potential and so much all the way to fast forwarding it to when we signed in the first access points, the first dispensaries in July of 2010 up here, I was part of that as part of the Cannabis Coalition of Standards and Ethics, which was a huge part of getting dispensaries open. And, you know, at that point, I just had so many products that I've been making, you know, as a black market commercial grower for the previous decade. Plus, it was so exciting to be able to bring these products that I believed in the medical aspect of the non psychoactive aspect. You know, there's always these excuses of, oh, well, you're still going to get high, you know, like you're still going to get high on an edible. You're still going to get, you know, it's just an excuse to be a stoner, even with like my own parents and stuff. You know what I mean? This is another excuse to be a stoner. And so being able to bring the products, like the topicals to the mainstream market that I knew were going to help people. And there's no psychoactive effects. Scientifically, you can give it to your kids you can give it to your grandma. You're not going to get high on it. It's not going to transfer to a urinary analysis that's applied to the skin. If you eat these tubs of cream. Yeah. You can probably have something happen, but I double dog dare anybody to put that in their mouth and eat it. And so, you know, being able to bring this product that gave 
so much substance and so much validation to a lot of these shops. I mean, I still get about once, once every six months, you know, the owner of was dope magazine, which is a nationwide publication, good friend of mine, Dave Tran, um, actually he's sold off the high times even now, but he still will email me or message me and say, Megan, I got to tell you, here I was at this point in my life in a meeting, I kind of felt awkward about bringing up cannabis. And what did I go to? My go-to of Kush Creams, because it's a non-psychoactive, legitimate product that actually helps people and they're not getting high on. So it's just been an amazing opening. It's like the gateway drug going the opposite direction. They always call cannabis the gateway drug into like the whole realm of drugs. But truly, I feel like Kush Creams is a gateway drug into opening all that generation of the reefer madness generation, opening their eyes to the non-psychoactive properties of cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, like I said at the beginning, it's truly an honor because for those who don't know, you've been doing this for more than 20 years, right? I mean, this yeah. is, this 25 is, years. I mean, I yeah. served every year in jail when I was 15 years old. I mean, like for LSD, but for my, you know, for cannabis too and yeah. stuff like that. I've been staying for a long time. Yeah. You know, I've been a commercial grower. I've had so many trials and tribulations of having illegal grows and basements and warehouses and all the, just, you know, the risk, you know, but the reward was a lot more back then. The price has fallen out now. It wouldn't even be worth it anymore to be putting yourself in those situations of being a black market grower, really. It's and these, and you know, home growth you gotta work for. Well, and this era of the black market grow, you know, you navigated that space. And, you know, I only heard this from our previous conversation on the free thinker society but you were associated with players like jack Herrera. am i yeah you know? yeah definitely i mean like i actually was good friends with his his last girlfriend you know his last living girlfriend before he passed away jack's girl is the strain um coming from her but no it's it's been pioneer days so all the people that there's kind of a network nationwide of us that were originally in this game you know and because there's so many johnny come there's so many green coattail and- it's just, it's even today on the radio, it's just so disgusting. Like go from the boardroom to the grow room the, or to the bathroom, <laughs> CEO to CEO, how to turn yeah. corporate to cannabis. And it's just like, that's the last thing we needed more in this industry is more corporate. It has no heart, no compassion. I mean, it's all about, these are compassion clubs that we used to have out here. That's what they were called was compassion clubs, patient access, you know? And people like Jack Herrera, the reason, the reason I bring it, the reason I bring him up is because these are the unsung heroes of this plant. And now with the corporatization of cannabis, like you very aptly described, these people are being forgotten and, and also being left in jail because there's so many people who are still serving prison sentences for cannabis in states where cannabis is now legal. So there are so many people. I'm wondering, you know, if there are any. Yeah. He's somebody that's a major pioneer that's just been suppressed by our government. Um, his name's Eddie Lepp, L-E-P-P. He's finally released from California Penitentiary, but he served a long time for his patient grow. He had the largest patient garden in, there was in California. He didn't charge for his medicine. He's an amazing, amazing person. And yeah, that's somebody that's just been shut down because they don't want people to have that empowerment. You know, they just... Yeah, and that's... And there's an original... I mean, it's just all these guys that really stuck their neck out there early on because they are from that reefer madness generation. Yeah. That was harder for them. I'm at least, I'm 40. So, I mean, I'm below that at least, you know, and these guys that really put it out there, it's been an honor to know and meet them. Yeah. And, you know, for 
some young gentlemen like ourselves. It's really an honor to, you know, speak to you again for the third time. I'm saying it because I really, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And these people like Eddie Leff and Jack Herrera, and I'm sure many, many others are, I mean, we're standing on their shoulders just being able to smoke the herb. You know, it's because of the sacrifices they made that it's still available on the street and now in stores. And yeah. It's so true. And it's it continue, It's going to continue to take work from people to keep it to where we have patient access. It's going to continue to take people that are going to be the activists because just like we were talking about is corporates rolling in, corporate America is taking away the access to the people, all that access that we brought in the late nineties. And then again, like in 2010, that's been taken away as of 2016 in our state, there's no more home grows or uh, real limited access for patient caretaker providers. Um, and it's all going to that corporate recreational system. And as soon as big money and, you know, corporate money and financing gets on this, it's going to get even more of a low end, low grade, unmedicinal product. I mean, all, all the power to the recreational, but I still, there's still patients out here that need good medicine that's going to be organic and it's going to be natural at a fair price because if they're truly patients, they're not working full-time a lot of times or they're on disability or they're retired and, you know, that's getting harder and harder for those people to get their medicine. So there's, we still have to continue to be crusaders out there because it's getting taken away from us again, in a way, even though there's more access. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we spoke about this when I was on the Free Thinkers Society podcast, but the corporate dispensaries up near we are, where we are in Connecticut and in Massachusetts, where it's recreational, but you know, like I told you, they've gone and they've changed all the names of the strains, at least in Connecticut, to resemble latinized pharmaceutical type names, you know, with the Zinicas and the X's and the Z's and the Senanix and all these freaking weird names for strains that just don't make sense. And it's separating people from the connection to nature. Because when you look at a strain name, it doesn't just like give a fun little package on it. It describes that plant's history and who grew it, where it came from. Yeah, that's the plant's family tree. That's the plant's genetic history. And yeah. like when they're baked, put on there or, you know, like you said, that they're turning into these pharmaceutical, like sounding verbiage names. And this is just really crazy. So I looked into that. I was so glad you brought that up on the Free Thinker Society podcast because I looked into that immediately and brought it up to some of my cannabis groups and stuff like that. And definitely people have heard about that. And it's just like the big fear that, the you know, the feedback and the comment, uh, the conversation was is, man, they're probably GMO out strains too, like not GMO the strain, the garlic strain, but actually like genetically modified, you know, and it's really pretty, that's coming in on our cannabis that they're, you know, they're getting it to where it's just, it's just sad. It's just really sad that what the government's doing and stuff like that. I feel like when those kind of names are coming in with that association, it makes you wonder what else has been altered genetics. Right. And and I, I can't say I agree with that. I do believe that you feel that way. But I think from where I'm standing, it's like so many people are waking up right now that before, you know, this black market kind of society, it's easy to feel like insulated and like the world's against you. But I mean, 
so many people have changed their minds on pot. I mean, my parents, my family, my grandparents, over the past few years, they've gone to like really being kind of weird about me smoking as much pot as I do to being like, yeah, yeah, that's just what the world's, that's just the way the world's going. And I think, you know, as overwhelming as it may seem that like, oh, these corporations are squeezing in, like there's so many great folks like yourself who are standing up as advocates for this plant. And I think that that's the authentic organic experience that the corporations will never, ever, ever be able to recreate. They just don't. Every time corporate influence gets its grubby, grimy hands on something, it stinks, it reeks of it. And folks like us who have always been drawn to the underground anyways, just turn away from it. You know, so there's always going to be room for the real connection, the authentic connection, Megan. And I just I don't mean to like, you know, belittle what you said, because you're absolutely right. It's tragic. But at the same time, we do need to be reminded of how much hope there is. And I think what's really cool about cannabis is it's alchemized me to this point. Right. So if it could do that for me how much else could it do? You know, that's just the way it responded to me, but I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts on, on different strains and Indica and Kush? Like, cause there's so many different types. You go to a dispensary, there's so many different types, but like, do you have a uh, particular like strain that you found is like, Oh, this is the best. Cause I mean, I'm sure you've smoked so much. You've, you've, oh yeah, you've I have tried so much. I mean, yeah, we have great that we've cultivated and like adapted our own pheno of. That's our personal one. It's called the Head Cheese. It's not a UK headband cross or UK cheese cross with headband. It's actually uh, an acronym for THC. It's kind of got no ceiling to it. It tests out at around twenty-seven percent on the flower. It's amazing. Just kind of falling back on that last comment though. My concern is a lot of it with these, you know, recreational grows and the states regulating these grows so much is and friends of mine that also have seed banks this is a concern of theirs too is that the states are going to start you using specific seed banks and using specific types of genetics and stuff like that to be able to be in the recreational market and that's when the concern of like the gmo and stuff comes on to that like those kind of right. you know and that's not that is a legit concern and this is the things that we have to as activists and as people that are have the heart and the compassion you know that once again patience before profits people that care about that have to stand up for that. And we have to keep these genetics going. We can't like go to these mainstream genetics. We have to keep these seed banks alive and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's one of those really important things. Well, diversity in any plant, no matter what species is incredibly important. And that's a big reason why GMO crops are so detrimental, (laughs) you know, because they, they trick people into thinking that, you know, Oh, this is going to be a bigger, stronger plant for your yields. And then it ends up just really failing the farmer. And then they're dependent on these GMO seed banks. So yeah, absolutely right. I think if that happens with cannabis, you're not going to see the, amazing diversity of like flavors and highs and aromas and textures and you know and that's why I kind of asked you because I know you've you've probably tried so many different types you you, you're really a connoisseur oh by far and I hang out with in connoisseur circles too it's kind of funny the people I hang out with you know we're all pot snobs for the most part um I feel like that though as like the corporation corporatization and all these type of things happen 
the underbelly and the black market is just going to thrive more. And, you know, right. we're right now, I feel like we're in a plateau kind of in between where people are, oh, it's just so much easier to go to the rec store sometimes than deal with, you know, a personal person or something like that. And the, out here in Washington State, I mean, in some areas, there's rec, rec stores on every block, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. And yeah, it's expensive, but it's fast, it's easy, it's convenient. There's gimmicky packaging and stuff like that. As these quality continues to drop and drop and drop in the recreational marketplace, I feel that the black market and the small cultivators are going to really thrive again. You know, right now it's kind of an in-between ground because it's just the products are still good enough. There's still enough heart. There's still enough people from the medical game that are still haven't been weeded out of the recreational game because that's what's happening is is a mad dash to weed out everybody that was in medical out of recreational. It feels like by the state, like over like the costs, you know, the, the, some of these licensing costs are ridiculous. It takes, you know, you pay to play. And a lot of these people that are providers and caretakers, they're not, you know, they've been in basements, they've been in garages, they've been on the underside of life for the last 20 plus years because they've just gotten to where they can come out of the closet, you know, so yeah. they don't have that funding. My, some of my favorite strains though, I personally, of course, I love like all OGs, you know, I love all those. I love all cookies and stuff like that. I love the flavor. I'm a, I believe that you have to smoke like four kinds of dabs every session because the cannabinoid profile you build up tolerance to it so i feel like i like to start with i love tangies and like citrusy sour ones but i'm not a real sativa lover i like indicas but mm-hmm. i like to start with one of those for flavor and get my palate going but then i like to finish up with heavy hitters you know that's kind of like how i roll it i believe all you should always just smoke kind of a you know you should always have a few flavors. Yeah. <laughs> you should always have a few flavors. Yeah. And I mean, you're really, you're in a position to have, you know, the, the most access out there on the West. I noticed last year on the East coast, there was a period in time where, and maybe I'm a weed snob, but there was a period in time where I was getting bud from a certain caliber of black market dealer that was really rubbing me the wrong way. And not like I hit a wall of tolerance. It was like, it was like the bud like was not the same. Something was different. And like I was getting like my dealers are getting pissed at me because they're like, dude, you're the only one complaining about this bud. Like, what's the problem? You know, so I go to the dispensary because I'm like, well, at least, you know, the dispensary, maybe they'll it will, I'll know whether it's this black market bud or not. But the dispensary was the same thing like the same thing completely. And my suspicion now is that there's something going on with the recreational weed in Massachusetts where it's either really dry or it's really over fertilized. There's some sort of chemical that's going on and it's just not the same. Cause I get this other bud from Maine that's fantastic. And I know it's organically grown. It's, it's, it's totally different. So I'm wondering, cause I think we mentioned a little, I mentioned a little bit about this on the Freethinker Society. Maybe we can get into that if you've heard of any kind of weird practices going on in this space. Definitely. I mean, the list, the list of, uh, in Washington state, the initial list of approved pesticides and nutrients was ridiculous here. I mean, it was scary. It was far from organic. When you're smoking this and you're noticing this, I have a couple of questions about the burnability on it. Cause that's like one of the things we do is like cannabis cup judges and stuff. Was it burning up to where there was no ash left in there? Or were you being left with an ash, like a white or a black 
not, you know, was it, was it the bowls with the single bong hits cleaning up right away or were your, you know, your bowls of pipe? I, was- I only smoke blunts. So this is maybe okay. not the best uh, yeah. case study, but I did notice that it was burning hotter because it tasted hotter. Like it tasted like more irritable and my throat was more irritated, irritated afterwards. So it I think that's when you smoke it almost like not crackles, but like almost. Yes. Like- yes. Yes. Because crackles the wrong description. That's, that's scary and sketchy, but like that kind of snapping is yeah. like a, yeah. Like a pop. That's over fertilization. I can tell you right now as a previous grower, that's over fertilization. Right. Yeah. yeah or not cured or not cured correctly too, of course, you know, and that's one thing that these places aren't curing this correctly. And a lot of them, when they're having these huge, you know, these huge harvests, they don't know how to cure this amount of bud correctly. Hell as a commercial grower, there's times we'd have some bumper crops and shit. And whew, we didn't barely know how to handle it sometimes and stuff like that. So I can only imagine these like corporate boys and stuff like that. Like, yeah, just, you know, putting heat on it or just putting too much forced air. Um, right, yeah. You want to do it fast. as fast as possible, too, yeah. probably. And it wasn't yeah. resinous either. It wasn't sticky at all, like real sticky. It was just kind of like powdery to the touch, almost like, and not like Keef, because there wasn't a stick to it. Like even Keef will stick to your thumbs. Like this kind of got like really powdery, you know? Oh, like, you know, this is coming all from both recreational and this was coming from black market. So it's like you would think there would be like more of a, I don't know, like, I wonder if there's some new nutrients or something that kind of got popular among people back there, because there's been a lot of really gimmicky nutrients that were supposedly organic and supposedly the new thing that have came out in the last decade since we've had medical. And some of these things are just trash. You're better off using like Miracle Grow or Peters and half these ones that you're paying all this money for. It's a joke. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. Oh, got some cool labels on them. Yeah, that's all right, boys. <laughs> well, this, I mean, it's really a pleasure to ask you as an expert because I was getting into like arguments with people I bought pot from because black market dealers, they don't want to hear shit. They just want your money and take off. You know, that's it. You either like the butter, you don't. And if you don't, don't tell me about it. And that's a really shitty way to do business. And I'm like thinking to myself, like if I went to a grocery store and I bought rotten milk and I go back, they're not going to tell me to go fuck myself. They're going to give me my money back or they're going to, you know, figure out why the the milk was rotten. Oh man, you got to get some better dealers. I literally just... (laughs) I like I'm like a counselor for half of my customers. I'm like, I've just been using this coining this term, like, well, you're not any kind of good pot dealer if you're not a good counselor, too. Because people come in on my little bar and you know, I hear yeah. about all the different things, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. and stuff like that. And but I, I then again stand behind things with like money back guarantee and stuff like that. Because if you only fuck with quality, then you don't have to worry about it. Right. And and I shouldn't give the wrong impression in case my buddy is listening, because I do have a really good, uh, good pot dealer now. But um, but yeah, it's a good counselor, though. though. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we hang we hang. It's it's like you said, you know, sometimes it is a little less convenient to have a really close friend you buy bud from because, you know, when you go there, you're going to smoke a little bit. It's a whole day thing. You know, it's not an in and out thing. And I like that much better, you know. So that's that's great. And yeah, it really you got to be careful with pot nowadays because you're ingesting it and there's so much money involved. And yeah, it's really such a hot temperature. You know, you take a temperature gun and you blow it, you know, you shoot it on like the smoke and stuff like that. 
hundreds and hundreds of degrees. You know, that's where that popcorn lung and everything comes from is if you're not careful what you're adjusting at that high temperature. I mean, it's damaging to you. There's definitely from combustible, you know, cannabis, there's definitely concerns of that type of stuff. If you're not smoking pot that's cured correctly, that's right. rinsed. A lot of it is, you know, you can use the most chemical nutrients you want. If you flush the plants for a good couple of weeks at the end and don't give them any nutrients, you can run that shit out of there for the most part. But that's what these places aren't doing either because they're on these regiments. They're just, they just don't care or they don't know, or they're trying to push everything into the end or they're putting flavor enhancers or juice. You know, there's a lot of different types of things. The best things you can do is make your own teas, your own compost teas, your own types of, you know, guana teas, those types of things. And mix your own nutrients, you know, and do it out of a sump pump out of a 55 gallon drum. And that's not the way that everybody does it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I, I hope that more laws allow for the DIY grow it yourself aspect. Cause I think that's a way more interesting and compelling world to be in where your neighbor grows his favorite pot. And then this guy grows his favorite pot and you get together every weekend and you're like, Hey, take an eighth of me. You take an eighth from me and everybody gets, you know, their own kind of thing going. And yeah, I, well, thing like that here in Washington, right. you know, until came, I mean, yeah, I was slow to start back in 98, but by the time that we were signing in access points in 2010, and, you know, people were getting together for these farmers markets. You know, I was lucky to be part one of I was lucky to be one of six vendors at the very first cannabis farmers market there was anywhere in the country, you know, which was super cool to be there. And we all had to plan what to do when the cops came, you know, and we were all old friends kind of. And, you know, we had it. We knew what to do and stuff like that. And every time it was so sketchy, but they became something that was accepted out here. And they were just it's so neat to talk to your neighbor about how they were growing and people bring their clones and they bring their strains and they you know, and you could have, you know, four patients, seven patients, you know, 15 patients, there was different rules for different things, you know, and people were able to cultivate quality, you know, they weren't trying to go big and go home, they weren't trying to go hard in the paint, they were just going, you know, with love, that's just back, to, you know, back to the saying, I keep saying patients before profits, it's something that's just been forgotten out here, I've been on a kick of it again lately, because it was something that a lot of us was the mantra. Wow. And, you know, little backstory about Jay and I, we both work together at a farmer's market. He got me this job at the farmer's market and it was a big part of, you know, who I am. And to hear that you were one of the, one of six people in the first cannabis farmer's market. I mean, wow. It's way cooler than anything, (laughs) any farmer's market we've ever worked in. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, we would, that's like the farmer's market. What's that? Like a standard Saturday market, just regular without cannabis. Yeah, we were selling bread, so yeah, no bread. Yeah. <laughs> I used to work at a farmer's market, and I had my own like farmer's market business, uh, Sunrise Gardener. Then I actually did like wedding flowers. I'd sell that services, and I'd also buy and resell berries. Yeah, out here we have a bunch of berries and um, flowers for like holiday times, and I do like dazzle dills for Easter, and I spray paint the middle of them psychedelic colors and stuff like that. Oh, so I did a farmer's man. market from like seventeen. I worked at like a fruit stand and stuff like that during this, that season and stuff. So it was really natural for me to do the, I was a big helper and kind of a market manager and a market, you know, a big part of the market, setting it up like a farmer's market because of all my farmer's market on the regular market, mm. you know, 
experience. Yeah. And, and the farmer's market is the, I think that's where we're heading in a better future. If we can make that a community oriented thing that goes on in cities, rural suburbs, if this can be a mainstay in American society, the idea of a farmer's market, farm to table, eating locally, like this is the movement that I think really goes hand in hand with cannabis. I mean, you we've seen the rise of both thanks to you really awesome spiritual warriors out there on the West Coast. And, you know, there's a lot of really cool folks in places like Florida and South Carolina and New York City, Vermont. So we're not, you know, we're not hanging too far behind over here on the East Coast. But It's cool. Yeah. Some of them would find to do these markets and the times of day that these markets would have to take place to find these venues back in like the early days were hilarious. We do ones like you know, in like underground, like nighttime places. We do ones, you know, like in the early morning in yoga studios. We do ones like, you know, in the alleys where we block off alleys. It was just early pioneer stuff. Yeah, I love it. I, I think we need to inspire a movement to just make that a, a reality everywhere. I, I mean, a cannabis farmer's market, that was like the, the dream for Jay and I, like smoking a blunt on the way home from the back to the bakery from the farmer's market, just like, oh, if only we oh, were yes. at a, a, a farmer's market out in Cali, you know, but it was it was kind of a shame I, not to take the mood down. But I wonder how you uh, felt over the past year, because I was working at the farmer's market in March, 2020. And then I woke up one morning and everything was different. I thought the my really awesome folks at the farmer's market would be on the same page. No, not at all. They're social distancing. They're wearing masks. And maybe it's just because we're in freaking, you know, brainwashed New Haven, Connecticut. But was that I the same? Washington State. What are you talking about? Everybody, I thought <laughs> I was a friend that was an open-minded. We've been on a crusade together for the last couple of decades, some of us. All of a sudden, I mean, everything shut down. So stupid up here. It was getting so nice for not just cannabis markets and stuff like that or other types of markets, but for, you know, other artists and other people that were making crafts and stuff. There's a lot of places that were opening up like five days a week here and stuff like that that had, you know, spaces like the old garden center in my little small town was like shut down for the gardens and stuff. And it was an indoor area and people were able to set up and they had you know what I mean? Space, some of them were permanent and stuff like that. And a lot of people I knew, local artists would go in there and making some coin, you know, it, it was nice getting that daily cash. Moms were able, there's evening markets, stuff like that. The last year, what has been really neat um, is being part of something called SAM. That's a safe access market that we started again because the cannabis farmers markets had shut down up here for the most part. Recreational came in strong. The Washington State Liquor Control Board came in strong on these markets. They really did the shutdown on a lot of them. And after the damn COVID clap started, right, even before COVID clap started, after all the crazy stuff with the, you know, just we, after they started like tearing down police stations up here and stuff like that, and we decided we need to bring medicine back to the patients. And so one of the original six vendors with me um, from that original market, um, Patrick, he's part of the 22, he's founded 22 Too Many, which is a, uh, Veteran suicide help is where the 22 veterans nationwide commit suicide a day. That's current statistics. And he started a help group for that. And so this is a safe access markets for veterans along with for the regular, you know, people to um, not just patients anymore. It's open to the public. And we set up every other Saturday with tables full of mushrooms 
tables full of bud again. We are bringing it into the patients. We bring it to the veterans at fair prices again. And this has happened all of Corona. This has happened all of the COVID clap. This has happened the whole time. And it's been such a blessing to people. Um, at the same time, this is the streets. This is in Olympia, Washington, which is our most libtard town in the whole state. Our capital here is <laughs> so bad. And it was already a bad, just like really Portland-esque. You guys heard a lot about Portland and stuff. It's just Olympia was like the sister city to their kind of their homeless situation and their, their just whole scene. This is the street that all the people are out there literally like during BLM stuff, burning dumpsters and doing all this stuff. And we're just inside this market in this storefront with the windows closed, accessing people through the alley, literally and having tons of awesome psychedelics set up, tons of awesome buds set up. Our friends there blowing glass live. We have, we teach mushroom classes there. We do mushroom capsule filling classes. There's cultivation classes. There's even class ideas like 100 ways to use your ounce of mushrooms for these veterans. We were doing so much cool stuff like that. It feels like the spirit of like 2010 to 2014 again before all the markets got shut down up here. And it's mm -hmm. so nice to see people that are veterans themselves or just patients be able to come there and get a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks on Saturdays by being a vendor. And it's so nice to offer this medicine to people without the taxation because our taxation in Washington state for the recreational stores is stupid. <laughs> That's all I got to say. So it's nice to say all that federal fucking banking system and just be bartering with people again. There's free clones for all veterans there. There's free access for so much stuff for the veterans there. It's an amazing resource. Wow. And getting into the mushrooms because uh, folks probably have heard uh, this episode was would be out by the time this one comes out. But I had a, a, a mushroom experience two weeks ago that I talked about with Mike Romanelli. So we're no strangers to uh, shrooms on this podcast. Tell us a little bit about psilovitabins. And do you think that, you know, micro dosing is something that I should be doing as a podcaster? Because there are times when I lose track of what I'm saying. I lose focus. I'm not perfect, folks. I know that my family <laughs> thinks some crazy podcast is really hitting it hard right now, but sometimes I feel a little crazy. So <laughs> what do you think, Megan? Should I be taking psilovitabins? I think everybody can benefit from trying them. And I think there's something that everybody should use, try, get to know their system. And then they can always keep it like a tool in their arsenal as something to be able to pull out when you know you need to focus, when you know you have big things coming. Um, I suggest to people just, start with 90 days um, and kind of just starting with what psilovitamins are. Let's we'll kind of take this back to ground one here for your listeners. Psilovitamins are a microdosing capsule that's a stacked capsule that um, my man Marcus and I have came up with over the last year and a half, really working with these veterans, a lot of it about microdosing, working out the different perfect combinations. These are uh, a lion's mane, a reishi, they have curcumin in them, which is the component of turmeric, which is proven to boost your neurotransmitters, which are your serotonin and your dopamine, which are depleted from everything from these medicines that these veterans have been on to the normal people to just everything, you know, that everything depletes your serotonin and your dopamine. Our, our government's trying to deplete our serotonin and our dopamine. You know, it's just, they're, it's scary. But we also put in there cayenne and black pepper to help activate that along with the point two of the psychedelic psilocybin mushrooms. Um, that's where you're getting another, your, your body needs mushrooms. I feel like mushrooms are going to be the new, there's going to be like an endocannabinoid system 
they find out like where your body needs cannabis technically truly thrives from it. There's going to be something like that where your body thrives from psilocybin. It's just a matter of time. There's not the research out there or it's being suppressed. Why they're letting us do it right now. I don't know why they're letting this movement move on, but this combination I feel is the winning combination. We've tried to put so many different things together, stack so many different herbs. And this is the one that's just proven. Perfect. It's a perfect winner. I suggest to people starting with a minimum of 30 days, you're really not going to, it's not worth doing it unless you're going to try it for the 30 days, but you don't go 30 days straight. I suggest starting with five days on two days off following that schedule for about the first month. And then the next month move to four days on three days off. Not only does this conserve your capsules, it actually helps you keep your tolerance down. It's a tolerance thing because you're going to build up tolerance to these types of um, neurotransmitter, you know, receptacles. You're going to end up making it so it doesn't, you're not going to notice the benefit anymore. Um, That's why I suggest every 30 days. And these are not my schedules. These are schedules that are done by like some of the masters, like Paul Stamets. Um, Some of the people out there that are really are pioneers in the mushroom game, kind of going back to pioneers, like. Jack Rare, like Paul Stamets out here is like our Jack Rare for mushrooms. He's really out there doing it. And today is National Microdosing Day. I just have to say that. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, hashtagging how you're getting on that movement because it's just everybody documenting their microdosing and sharing their experiences on social media and stuff. Just hashtagging it, microdosing. That's all it is. And just getting it out there and getting a community started. Um, It's super exciting. But um, instead of circling back to it, I suggest one week off every 30 days. Um, that's something that's really important um, because it really helps knock down that tolerance. And then the next month, I suggest, you know, three days on, off, four days on. I also suggest to people figure out what time of day it works out for you. It's all about finding what works for you. So, you know, I suggest the first week, take them in the morning. The next week, take them in the midday. You know, the next week, take them in the evening and evaluate that when you take your week off, how you liked it, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, because everybody can figure out, I like it with food. I don't like it with food that I feel I benefit better for sleep or not sleep at this time. Does it affect everybody different? So I just suggest to people during your first 30 days, just to kind of try, you know, kind of one week blocks of different times a day to consume them, you know, different schedules too, because different people works different. One of the saddest things to see over the last year and a half working with these veterans is the medications the VA are prescribing that are blocking the receptors for these, um, which is really sad because a lot of these guys are up to taking huge doses of mushrooms, um, heroic doses, therapeutic doses, upwards of six, seven, eight, ten grams, and they're not able to feel the effects of them whatsoever psychedelically nor beneficially were they able to feel the microdosing, which is really hard because these guys can't get off these different types of medications for depression, for PTSD and stuff like that. That's going to be way more crucial than the benefit that they might receive from the microdosing or the benefit that they might receive, you know, the, the adverse effects. So it just, you know, that's something that's really it's frustrating to, as you're trying to work with people to have that happening. Right. Yeah, no. And, and that was sort of where I was going to lean towards with my next question. Cause I'm sure there's people out there like, Oh, Mark, you know, I'm a heavyweight. I could take like a huge amount, you know, but people who don't understand microdosing, it's not about, you know, oh, these things are psychedelic and like could cause a consciousness change. It's not just that. It's the fact that they're not microdosing. You, you shouldn't feel anything. Yeah. You're just going to have a better sense of enlightenment, a sense of well-being, maybe a little less, you know, and the components of these, 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 you know, molecules 
they're beneficial to your being, your body. So yeah, it's not about having a consciousness shifting experience like you would with a hero dose or uh, whatnot. But I will say, yeah, I will say after my recent mushroom trip, I had a really incredible, I guess what they call afterglow. I felt very focused the next few days. I made a, a really cool YouTube video that I hope people check out. But I wonder, you know, do you think it's the trauma uh, of their past experiences that are preventing them from experiencing the uh, psychedelic experience? Do you think it's like a psychosomatic effect or is it the clashing of the other drugs that these soldiers chemical blockage it's not it's a it's something that these guys are not in control of it's right. a chemical different types of adverse pharmaceutical reactions yeah. to the receptor that's what it is because i've been looking into it and trying to do a lot of research on it i do feel though what's really kind of interesting is i and i don't know if you remember the conversation or me and mike might have had it even after the podcast from the free thinkers but a lot of times microdosing doesn't always work for everybody sometimes people have different ways of microdosing. They're not really considered microdosing at that point, but they have different ways of bringing up their tryptamine receptors so that they're able to feel the um, reestablishment of the serotonin and the dopamine. And they're able to get this and they do a larger dose, maybe once a month, maybe once every three months. But the afterglow, as you just referenced, that verbiage is such a crucial verbiage that afterglow can last people for a month or something sometimes you know so they people are able to feel the positive effects from the psilocybin going into their system for up to a week two weeks a month afterwards which is really awesome so people have different ways of bringing up their tryptamine receptors in their body some people microdosing isn't for everybody but for the most part it's going to be the best option to tell your you know, your teenager or you should tell your mother or something like that. You're not trying to tell these people to have a big heroic dose and go out, you know, you know, go find themselves and have an ego check and all these different things. You're not, <laughs> can't sue to go do that always and stuff like that. But it's a lot easier to suggest taking a vitamin every day. Yeah. And that's going to be best benefit for their serotonin and their dopamine rebuilding, which is going to make people, the number one thing I hear is I have more patience. I have more patience for my job. I have more patience for my kid. I have more patience for my partner. I have more patience for my commute. I have more patience for my work. You know, all these things that people find stressful. I work with a lot of different professional athletes because of the Chris Cranes business and how much relief it is physically for people's bodies. And I just sponsored a snowboarding event up here in Washington state um, at the end of snowboarding season and talking with a lot of the athletes that have been microdosing over the last year or two getting their feedback and how much it's helped during their performance and how much it's helped them when they're, they're snowboarding and how much it's helping um, other people. I know that are like jujitsu and different types of martial arts and stuff, um, helping them during those times, people that are also like in stuff like it is this big thing with microdosing and it, but it is to a lot of people like that are able to focus on these big projects when they have these big rollouts, these big kind of things like that. Um, as well as just the average soccer mom, her patients or for her, you know, or, the grouchy, crabby old dad, husband, you know what I mean? It's like the, yeah. the patience is, I feel like everybody in the world needs a little more patience right now. You know, yeah. I just feel like it is. It's like Absolutely. a little more compassion, a little more compassion out there. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, but you also, know, I mean, people, 
losing weight on these things they're because they're able to feel more sense of the mobility and get around more and have less you know like the social anxiety people are able to get out a lot more you know mm. there's so much social anxiety out there in this world it's only gotten more rampant as people have been isolated over the last year and a half you know it's just become that's fed that and so people are able to feel as they're having to re-emerge back into the world this is really helping people as a key to help with that too yeah and, and it's important to remind people that this isn't like an ad this is a missing component to what it means to be human right and yeah. we've been starved of our relationship with mother earth for so long that now i think it's so beautiful that there are people like yourself putting these products out there giving people access to the whole plant medicine because what the pharmaceutical companies do is they take those same plants and minute alchemize them to their minute parts and then add all this chalk I, and bullshit you know and they're just mimicking what's nature is already providing you know and, and doing a really bad job of taking what? care of people i mean they have really the government's, I mean, this whole mushroom thing has like how much we've been restricted from that. I'm wondering what are all the benefits now that they're, they're for some reason letting us have more access and more of a platform for talking about it and more of a platform yeah. for like me. I mean, I'm treating this as like an over-the-counter business, over-the-counter strength products is like I'm treating this. I mean, I mail these out nationwide. Um, and that's something that I, when I first started selling Kush Creams, when I first started doing that, you know, back in 2010 and mailing out these cannabis creams because my creams are full cannabis full of cannabis spectrum you don't get cbd only i don't believe in that i have a big problem with cbd um i believe in the full plant medicine once again and when i started mailing those creams out back in the day i used to think all the time the dea was gonna be like knocking on the door any day then and stuff like they're gonna come get me for my creams and you know now i have attorneys that have offered to take me on pro bono if anything ever happens to the point where i've had such a I'm over a million tubs produced and sold on my website, taxed and everything. You know, these are mailed out and mailing the vitamins nationwide feels like those early days of mailing out the cream. Yeah, it's fucking scary. Yeah, I'm putting my neck out there. But you know what? It's also something that's not, you aren't getting high on. This is a microdosing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I always kind of, I was not always, but I was at a time suspicious of that term microdosing because it was associated with LSD and Silicon Valley. So I wonder, you know, what your opinion or thoughts are on, on people who microdose LSD because it's not, you know, it's a man-made chemical. Yeah, it, does, it is synthesized to some degree from an ergot, which is a naturally occurring thing. But yeah, what are your thoughts on LSD? Obviously a little more man-made than mushrooms. I feel like the more products are more recreational products hands down right the plant the products that come from the earth are the products that are made for medicine yeah absolutely and vials for like a couple of years there even i had vials that would offer the third drop you know they were a smaller dropper vial um and it was for microdosing but i believe in the mushrooms as plant medicine yeah yeah and it goes back to you know the beginning of time really is what we're finding. We've had past guests on like Chris Bennett, who's showed the ancient history of cannabis, Adam Drizzy, who is studying the ancient history of mushrooms, you know, and, and these, that. Oh. yeah. And I mean, it was a pleasure speaking to them as well as you, but what I'm learning here is there's so many like-minded warriors taking a stand 
and standing up for these plants because these plants are living beings. And the way I understand it, maybe Jay can resonate with this because I know Jay's read Carlos Castaneda. Something I learned from that book and from other places is that these plant spirits are a spirit. You know, each plant is like an emanation of this overall parent spirit that can be thought of as like the soul of the entire species, you know, and, and I think when we engage with these plants, we take on those qualities, and we really do have a deeper connection with nature. And that's what we're meant to do as human beings, you know, we are stewards of this land. And unfortunately, the corporations and all these slime balls want to get in the way, as they have for the past thousands or so years in their various empirical forms. But there's never, ever, ever going to be a day where there aren't warriors like yourself, Megan, who stand up as advocates and representatives of this plant spirit. I have full wholehearted faith in that. I've seen it with my own eyes. And now I have the, you know, the, again, the pleasure of speaking to you, someone who's lived that life and done that. And we're really, again, honored. There's such a out here too like nationwide yeah. not like just the west coast you know what i mean of course in washington here we have a real mecca of, of really like-minded people in our community um like-minded until it comes to masks vaccines <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're not like-minded anymore, i've realized but yeah. we won't get into that today like-minded in our other topics of the industry and it's a great community to be a part of i have to say because everybody's raising the bar on one another constantly everybody's mm. constantly checking each other everybody's constantly trying to keep it as transparent, trying to keep it as pure, trying to keep it as factual, trying to keep it as, you know, just, I guess I like just transparent and just as out there as, you know, we can make it. And it's really, I'm proud to be part of this community. Yeah. And it really is. It's, it's healing, you know, and people often think of these things like drugs, party, fun. It's like, no, like there's real healing that goes on when you smoke pot and it's not just your body, it's your mind, it's your life. And if you really lean into it and understand that these plants are tools, you'll come out on the other side, a better person. I I'm sitting here before you as someone who can say I've benefited from smoking cannabis and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where uh, the future goes with, with cannabis and, and mushrooms. It's really cool that it's now legal in uh, Canada and, and Oregon to buy mushrooms, right? So yeah, I think There's we're- There's down in Oakland, California. There was, was just super cool, like the first one nationwide. So I've been part of so many cannabis cups. I've won over 20 you know, trophies or whatnot, different cannabis cups. There was a psilocybin cup down in Oakland, California, a couple All months. Right. I am just like, yes. Yeah. I'm, I mean, like when we, we've been in the market, we have like 15 kinds of mushrooms, you know, it's going to be like the next cannabis and all the different strains. This one's going to be good for this. This one's going to be good for anxiety. This one's going to be good for, you know, Crohn's like stomach issues. This one's going to be good for headaches. This one, it's just a matter of time. It's just getting out there. People are just able once again, like with cannabis to come out of the closet, to come out of the basement, to come out of, you know, the woods <laughs> and be yeah. able to talk about this. Um, like I said, I, I feel lucky that this platform is developing like it did for cannabis. I feel like it's just emerging and it's getting really normalized really quick. That's why I'm treating this like an over the counter strength business right away. Wow. Yeah. Right on. I I'm with you. I'm excited to try the silla vitamins myself. 
You know, yeah. Jay and uh, Jay and I, we drove out to Colorado back in 2016 for like the first when they, you know, had their first dispensaries open up recreational. And we I remember I was just like 21 at the time so I could go and do all this stuff. And I was so excited. And the best bud I ever smoked to this day, maybe not the best, but the best bud there was this stuff called Brain OG. I wonder if you've ever heard of it. I loved it. It's from this dispensary called Natty Rems, Natural Remedies. Such yeah. a real, oh my, so such I, a beautiful bud. I cannabis cup as a speaker. I spoke down at the Colorado Cannabis Cups down there in Denver um, four or five different times um, over the years and stuff. And I was down there that 2016. And I think that one actually was entered in the cup even too. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. Brag for us a little bit. Which one, uh, cannabis cups did you win, and what for what strains? Um, well, the head cheese that that's our strain. I mean, that's awesome. that's that's our shit. Like that's yeah, it's just quite the story on how I got it and how it's been part of our life and stuff like that. But no, that yeah. was what I that's what I believed in. I stand into that, stand by that strain. It can get the biggest stoner continue to get them stoned all night long. There's no ceiling. Oh. You know what I mean. No, yeah. if you smoke, 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 bongs or blunt, 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 you end up after a while like, why am I even smoking anymore? Like, it's not even, I'm not stoned anymore or whatever. Kind of like towards the end of the night, if you're, you know, really partying, the head cheese, it takes you there every time. Uh, like I said, I've won 20 different cannabis cups. I got 16 to actual trophies. Um, uh, some of them we just got like marijuana silk lays or something, some random things and whatnot. Um, the first cannabis cup I won, I'm probably the most proud of still to this day. Didn't know anybody there. Didn't know anything about it. It was 2008. That was two years before we had any dispensaries open up here at all. This was um, down in Oregon. And yeah, I took first place of that one and won high times. I've got, you know, you said 16 plus trophies from different cannabis cups nationwide, but a lot of them are for topicals. A lot of them are for different tinctures I've made. I did a witch doctor pain drops. It was really popular. I have a toothache tincture. That's uh, amazing. That really works great. It's got some um, native Americans, some ancient remedies in there too. Um, Ayurvedic. It's got the Ipsab, which is a prickly ash bark and peppermint spirits. Cannabis being such an anti-inflammatory. Um, I did a yeah. witch doctor drops that I have a trophy for. I also have, for BHO, we used to blast a lot of BHO back in the day. <laughs> you know, that was action blast. You know, past you know, package a lot of it. That was a big market. Um, and then also just the creams, you know, and for Bud yeah. too. Well, yeah. I am. I'm excited if I ever get the opportunity to try the head cheese. That sounds great. Oh, I I wonder. You mentioned the Native American remedies, and that got me thinking. There is a, a herb I smoked back four or five years ago called mugwort. And anytime yeah. I've ever told anybody that people laugh, they're like, what kind of Harry Potter, you know, no, tell, tell me, you, you know about this. It's kind of like a chonga. It? What's that? Is it, a, is it like a chonga? I, I don't know, but I will say that it has a very unique smell and taste, almost bitter, but I smoked it and it gave me a lucid dream like that night. And that's what I read about it. So I think that what I think I know about it is it's like it's considered to be a good component to smoke with stuff like DMT and stuff. Is, and it's considered like a leaf extender. It kind of helps like um, ah. make last a little bit longer. I believe it's a component you smoke with that. Yeah. Well, I, I found it online. Ends up here and we have a lot of DMT fans that are really popular up here. Um, 
different types of ones. So we have different DMT pens that are stacked with the DMT and then like Chonga, which is a leaf diluter, a leaf extender. So it makes it so that the DMT experience isn't quite so strong. And it also lasts approximately 15 minutes in comparison to like eight, you know, so yeah. it's an extended diluter. Um, and I believe mugwort's right in that same family. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, it was something I bought a bag of it and there's, I probably bought too much because it was something where I smoked once and it just never worked the same again. Maybe if I revisited it now, it might, have that same effect but yeah i remember having the first lucid dream of my life thanks to mugwort and i i just f- had to bring that up because i know you you've probably i'm herb- yeah i'm herbalist and just not you know my <laughs> doing this kind of stuff um it's also something people smoke with like salvia dianora like that type yeah. of salvia it extracts but like the salvia dianora i think it's another one that people use as a component like to stack with that for like extension Mm. Yeah, no, I I mean, that's something personally that I'm plant medicine. My friend has a yoga retreat down in Guatemala and they do a lot of plant medicine and stuff. That's where I've learned a lot about this from and stuff like that. And he's from up here. He's bought this property four years ago, but he's turning this beautiful and they do cacao ceremonies and, you know, all these different types of things. And they do ayahuasca retreats and stuff like that there as well, as long as living heart medicine retreats and a lot of different, these, um, jungle plants like i would call all those ones the south yeah. tnt the changas the south you know all these different ones i feel like the mugwort those are all kind of like jungle plants you know the jungle man is jungle plant yeah yeah no mugwort always sounded like so like european to me i didn't ever think of it as a jungle plant but now that you say it in relation to the other ones it makes sense yeah that's just a personal point of fascination for me especially from reading like michael harner's work the way of the shaman and carlos castaneda and neville drury it's like i'm i'm such a uh noob at this point i'm just you know i'm just waiting all to go out there and get in my hands a little deeper and all that but megan Kush. oh there's so much to learn out there and they so much of it's been suppressed you know it's like mm, yeah so exciting i feel like this is such an exciting time i feel the heart my heart's warm and my like soul's light and my feet are like you know like skippy to the psilocybin movement that's happening like it was 10 years ago for the cannabis movement you know i felt so much empowerment when we started getting those access points open and we started having dispensaries and we started having you know being able to bring all these backyard growers out of their basements and all their stuff like that and mm. i i'm watching that just kind of get suppressed like i'm just making sure that we really bask in and appreciate and enjoy our time in the psilocybin movement because it will be suppressed most likely if it happens like i envisioning it to happen is going to yeah. be some good five ten years with and then it's going to start to become either corporatized shut down or whatnot so i'm just gonna just bask in every moment everything yeah. i do is quality 100 percent. i believe in everything i do so much i mean i just put so much love into my every product i make everything's done by hand everything i bring everything to everybody as cheap as i can you know, these, these psilocybin people are like, you should sell them for so much more. Cause technically if you were to, you know, weigh the amount of psilocybin cannabis or not cannabis, but a psilocybin like volume, you know, to the cost of what it would cost in raw mushrooms, it's not a lot of markup, you know, and there's packaging and there's, you know, risk and reward, but I just believe in getting it out there. I believe so strongly in getting it out there to people and people do not have access to this in Kentucky, Arkansas, Australia, all these random places. I, you know, I'm mailing these to you all, you know, all across the country because 
it's just not available. And this is something that should be available to people. This isn't designed to be taken recreational. This is designed to take medicinally. This is yeah. to help improve lives. And people should expect joy from this. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Megan Cush, this has been so fantastic talking to you. We'll let you go soon. I, I want to let Jay and Chris ask a question if they have any questions. Oh, yeah. And then I, had, I actually have one. <laughs> I, I had a question that was, you know, one quick question before we go. But Jay, go ahead. This one goes to all three of you, Megan, Mark, and Chris. <laughs> yep, that's right, Chris. <laughs> Cannabis, psilocybin, and God. What are, what are the thoughts? Because my family thinks I'm crazy because I don't think they believe that there's a correlation between all three of them. I think people know how I feel, Megan. Go ahead. I believe there's a, there's a definite connection. You know, my God's Mother Earth, you know? So how are cannabis and psilocybin not part of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Chris? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, that's an interesting thought. I never, never really heard or thought about. We'll get into uh, it on the Patreon. All three of I those think, things together. I think, I think we'll get into that on the Patreon, Jay. That's a really good discussion for the Patreon. That's- we'll continue it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Megan, before we. Hello, Chris. Go, Does Chris have a question? Oh, go. Sorry, Chris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering. So the your uh, I forgot the term for it, but yeah, I, I'm going to call them your mushroom pills or your mushroom medicine. Silovitabins. So silovitabins. So like psilocybin component. Silovitamin. Uh-huh. Silovitamin. So you're you're uh, you're shipping those out to every state. Yep. Yep. Wow. Okay. Cool. Is Chris, there a yep. website that you're? So you're not selling that on your on Chris, your um. You're down com. I'm about to use my website thrives already and it's just people love my products. I have uh, like over a 50% returning customer base for the last 10 years. I have repeat customers that much. It's just insane. Um, but I want to offer a special too for your podcast. I've been offering it for the different podcasts. So listeners that want to mention my family thinks I'm crazy. I'm doing three tubs, which is like a more than a 90 day supply. It's actually technically a 90 day supply for almost two people because of the way that the scheduling works out. Offering that for one twenty-five, just plus the ten dollars shipping and handling. So it saves everybody about ten bucks and then a little money on the shipping too. So anybody that wants to mention that, we're just doing that offer for all the podcasts. Awesome, cool, yeah. yeah. Tell them, tell them that you heard Megan Cush on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast, and you get a discount. That's awesome. Thank you, Megan. We appreciate that. Throwing in a of um, Cush creams with those as well. Okay, just for my family crazy i haven't done that for anybody else yet mark that one's for you Woo. oh wow i love it thank you so much and i gotta put it where it hurts people put it where it hurts yeah and i gotta thank you because after we spoke on the free thinker society podcast i had to run i had to leave like mid-episode but I mike texted me and he was like oh megan she uh said she listens to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast and you made my night i mean that was so i love i've loved i reached out to you and told you that i really appreciate that you listen to the show megan it's so awesome to hear that yeah, like I've I've just actually been red pilled in the last year and a half here. I've I've really woke up. I come from a really democratic, really liberal West Coast. I mean, my own mom just won't even listen to me. It drives me. She thinks I'm crazy. And literally, I'm just loving <laughs> and stuff. Along with my three daughters, they all love to think I'm crazy too and <laughs> everything. But um, my man Marcus, you know, he really opened up my eyes, and it's like. Like I tell a lot of people, I talk about with a lot of people, have you 
I have your eyes open up and you can look away afterwards. I, I don't even know. I don't have any. I don't have anything to say to you. I have no, you know, it's, you can't look back. Right. You can't look back. And start learning this stuff, and I've become like over the top. Like the last year and a half, I've turned away so much supposed business from my industry up here, and I'm just not worried about it because I'm attracting the type of customers I want. I'm attracting the type of business I want. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really hard. Every one of our friends, everybody in our, in our industry to our families and stuff is just, just, yeah, it's just, well, it's, you know, know, I've, I've been, I've been out here pushing the message out really hard on like my IG and all to anybody that sees me and talks to me and listens to me. And I do have a pretty good customer, even just my little black market round rotations here every day. You know what I mean? If they don't want to hear about it, when they come buy their weed or their mushrooms and shit, I mean, this is, <laughs> <laughs> i can yeah. get them I, know I get them whenever i can i get people when i have them on hold you know what i mean and stuff like that that's I why i started them. the podcast megan because people were tired of hearing it from me they're like all right man i get it i get it you know go tell someone else <laughs> <laughs> i mean we just listen to yeah we're just it's just it's just crazy but um yeah, I've just been woke up in the last year and it's, I feel like there's a lot of people that are slowly opening their eyes. A lot of people think yeah. they're just like, wow, I didn't know this. Wow. Like, cause they don't even watch mainstream news. They just are living in their own little worlds and stuff like that. And yeah. just bring it to people that I'm somebody that's never been like this. I'm a pretty open-minded, pretty easygoing, really liked person and stuff. So, I mean, I still hear, I, you know, all the time you lost a customer. Da, 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 da. And I just, I looked and I, a lot of times it's just some fucking liberal mooch. I'm such a, I, everybody I know, like I give my creams away to people like nonstop because I just believe in, I've never advertised, I never paid one penny for advertising. I just give my products away because that's, if you have something that works, that's what you can do. The proof's in the pudding, you put it in people's hands. And a lot of these times I look at these people and I just realize there's somebody that like I knew from a festival or I see once a year at these things and they're just, they're just fucking mooches. Half the ones that tell me I lost your customer, anyways. I don't even care. Yeah. It's not like it's and they, and they just the want is in the cream. They want a virtue signal, and they're too close-minded to even entertain some of these profound truths that, like you said, you're being red-pilled to. And that's awesome. We're happy to have you as a part of the family, Megan. I mean, welcome to the club. <laughs> We love it, uh, you know. And that's what it's about with with me. Is like I came to this stuff through cannabis, through various mushroom and LSD experiences. So I have real faith and hope that these plants can bring more people over to looking at the world with eyes open. Cause it's not about politics at the end of the day. I used to be a liberal. I, I now I, I'm not really a conservative, but I liked some conservative things. And, you know, so I think that's really what it's about. It's being open and, and honest. And when people, you know, virtue signal, Oh, I don't like that. Your opinions. It's like, good i'm glad you just told me that you're a close-minded person i'm better off without this friendship or whatever you know so yeah. you know welcome to the club because it's a lot better when you're with like-minded folks right megan <laughs> it really is and i just feel people have more trouble like admitting that they've been fooled than mm. accepting the truth yeah. like uh, everybody tech trip at this point everybody needs to take a, a, a fucking macro or a therapeutic yeah. dose at that point yeah. Check, in my opinion, yeah. if you can't admit that fucking lied to and fooled and fucking whatever, you just rather just keep getting lied to and fucking fooled. And I'll be the first person to admit it. I get fooled a lot, you know, and I think that's what's cool about the podcast <laughs> is like, thanks, Jay. I think that's what's <laughs> cool about the podcast is like I'm connecting. People are feeling that this is an authentic 
you know, there's nothing going on here behind the scenes. This is just us talking about stuff that resonates with us. And once people start to feel that and resonate with that, that momentum builds on itself. And I'm, I'm just so excited for the future and Megan, resonating. it's been, yeah, it's been <laughs> such a really, really awesome podcast. And we'd love to have you back on in the future. We're coming close to episode 50. I don't know what number this episode will be, but we're going to be doing call-ins and stuff. So maybe we'll have you call in every now and then, and we'll give you an update on how our uh, psilovitamins are helping us out. Cause I know yeah, I'm going to be taking some soon. Yeah. Um, we'll go ahead and you guys, I need all your guys' addresses, or if you just send them to one, you guys can share them if you guys are in the same proximity or whatnot. But let's make sure you guys all get at least a 30 day supply so you can have something to reference in your own personal yes. life. Thank oh, you yeah, so no, much, I definitely Megan. Try those. Thank yeah, you so much for your generosity so, with your discount code. Those addresses, okay. Thank you. Yes, I will send those to you. Thank you so much for your generosity and your time. And Megan, we really hope that all our listeners go and check out your Kush Creams. Use that discount. Tell them you found Megan on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And uh, with that. Yes, your orders in for people like you can find me like at Stillo Vitabins, which is P-S-I-L-O-V-I-T-A. B I N S at protonmail.com. That's psilovitabins, plural. It's not vitamins, but it's vitabins like psilocybin. So, yes. And your Instagrams, your Instagrams. And then my Instagrams, kushcreams.com. I was shut down at kushcreams, but I'm at kushcreams.com. And I just forget your order of psilovitamins. Send me a payment through Venmo, PayPal, crypto, screenshot a proof of that payment, and follow with the name and address. You never believe how many people forget their address and stuff. It's hilarious. I'm constantly <laughs> like, okay, address for package. Um, <laughs> um, and stuff like that. And that package, those orders go out immediately. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Megan, for joining us. Megan Cush, folks. We hope you go and support her and everything she does because she's done so much to support the people around her and in her community and in this country and even around the world because people in Australia are apparently getting psilocybin, psilocybins, I got it right that time. But thank you for listening. International shipping just costs a little more, that's all. But people, they know that. Well, we have listeners. We have a lot of listeners in Sweden, and I'm so excited to get to know my Swedish yeah. podcast listeners. So if you get any orders from Sweden, Megan, let me know. And with that, folks, thanks for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Have a great day, night, or morning. Mark is bananas. Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I Don't listen crazy to him. For so lonely Follow us on patreon.com slash mftic That's patreon.com slash mftic oh.